This is the Chronicle Podcast, and we are here to bring you top-notch pro wrestling and sports entertainment, information, and analysis. We also bring you general entertainment, societal talks, and much more. This podcast is hosted on Spotify for podcasters. To keep you informed is our top priority. Please like, subscribe, and share. And now, your host, Samuel Lyon. Hello and welcome to the Chronicle Podcast. This is Samuel Lyon. It's Tuesday Morning Takes, Episode 4. It's the fourth installment of this revolutionary um, segment. I'm so elated to be here again. And really, I really do love this consistency. For the past one month, uh, we've been doing this with um, the same personality, the same person. And it's really amazing even with our crazy uh, schedule we still try to put this show out there and um i apologize in uh, in time for my calls because it's a little bit under the weather but he's still here because he said no way is he going to stay out of the show or allow somebody else to take over the the um the seat for this morning i really appreciate his um his will yes his real power to always get this show on and going uh please make welcome the evolutionalist id id how are you doing today uh thank you mr samuel i'm doing great nice to be on the podcast again <laughs> first off um let's talk about you a little bit about that we know we start like what do you want to talk about but i want to talk about you today i mean yeah you are you know, um, telling me how crazy I am for not showing up on time. I always talk about African time. And also, I now came on and you are now delaying me. You are giving me excuses because you are not there. So, who am I supposed to blame for the late posting of the recording of this segment? <laughs> well, I will not really blame anyone because my notification on, on Twitter didn't really hit me up when you actually sent me a link for this podcast so sorry to everyone out there it's my twitter you should blame i don't know what's wrong with my all right um this is a shout out to Lichi studios for always giving us opportunity to make um to record this and put this out there because it's really helpful to content creators like us that don't have the resources to give you a full studio produced show but Leachy Studios have really helped us out in it, um, in making this possible. And also a lot of uh, content creators out there too. So um, you should go check out their services. It's really important. I actually did um, attend um, the call for the ambassadorship uh, program, but I did not make the cut. But nevertheless, you can go try it out. It might be your, it might, you might make yours. So um, elated to have this. And obviously, we always start with what we want to talk about. 
and i believe for the um, for this episode i first of all i need to give, tell you congratulations it's our fourth installment four weeks and we are still going and i want to before we head to talk about what we came here for i want to ask you i don't know if you actually catch on the 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 match this past friday between eoskai and uh, oscar and that was really crazy and those women were cooking all through the show, I, like I love that match. And before we get into the show, I just wanted to ask your take on that. Like, did you see the match? What was your take and opinion on that? Because those two ladies cooked the freaking hell out of that match. Absolutely, the best match I've seen so far on SmackDown, coming from the women's division. Like, man, you you got to give it to Asuka because Asuka and Io, it's like, let me just say. Though I've never seen them wrestle before, but the first time both of them wrestled, they, it was as if they had this chemistry together. So I really loved the, the match. And if not that damage control had to come in and all that, man, that match was just good. As in, it was spectacular. I'll give it a five out of five stars because Eosky is an amazing athlete and then you're coming with then you have this other star um Asuka, who is very great in the ring and she's a very very good striker and a submission specialist you put those two in there come on you are going to expect magic to come out from this kind of a match so i was really happy though the finish i didn't really like how everything the finish to the match because I'm not going to lie, I was actually rooting for Asuka to win, but everything was just the way the whole scenario of the match was like as if Asuka was going to win, but how the match finished, I didn't just like it. The finishing was not okay, but the overall match was perfect for the finishing. There was no need for Bailey to actually get involved in that match. I didn't see any need for Billy, and I also didn't see any any need for Charlotte to come. I just wanted that was to see that was one of my biggest yes. issues. Sorry for uh, yes. interrupting you there because you are like, why is Charlotte out there? I can I can we can make exception for Bailey and the and the, uh, Dakota because their girl was actually in the main event. But why is Charlotte out there? Exactly. Why is she trying? Like, what was the logic with having her there? Like, it was just so um un- unnecessary. Um, like, I don't even know yeah. if you noticed um. Before a segment whereby Eosky was telling Asuka before they actually made this match official that she is ready for Asuka and she can go it alone. So they would have just made it and give give the fans and even us here at home that dream match, Asuka versus Eosky, no interference from anywhere. We just know who is the best between those two. Because Eo was ready to put a title on the line in order to get Asuka, Asuka's attention. And I really don't get what what um, Charlotte was coming there to do. Like I don't know the storyline that they're trying to build out from there. But then I didn't just like the booking, but the match itself was okay. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of Io versus Asuka in the nearest future. Maybe who knows? They might actually clash again at the Royal Rumble or WrestleMania next year. All right, so that was it for SmackDown Live. Um, this week's Monday Night Raw emanated from um, the Toyota Arena in Ontario, um, outside, just outside California. And oh, this.
Um, these are the the um September twenty fifth edition two twenty three of Raw when I Raw, and this show was well was packed. I really um uh, did enjoy the show. Like at some point, I was asking myself, is this one in I Raw or am I in a like in a time like time zone or what? Because it was crazy the way everything was like everything had a story in every match had like you you could really feel like everything was moment uh like everything was a story built there was a story behind everything there was a why in everything and even if there was no why in some of the segments you came out of the segments understanding the reason why uh, at the end of the day why would still be there either before or after but that show was really segmented well it was really sketched well like that was kind of like i felt more of a triple h vibe on that show so um obviously you know we have um and bustles on the show but um the show was actually um, um good for me so they um we began here yeah, my notes um so we began with the honestly tag team champions uh they will be on the line uh with kevin owens and sami zayn um against the judgment day um this will be their rematch so, um, for the first time since successfully returning against Amazing on July 24th, Dominic also defended his championship. And that match, they, those boys cooked the living shit out of that match. Uh, okay, so speaking of Dominic, um, Cody Rose has something. Speaking of Dominic, Cody Rose has something on his mind. Uh, so, we have just, there was just a whole lot of stuff going on. So, we, we are live. Cody Rose made his entrance. Roswell comes around to Raw, then says he has been interrupted two weeks in a row, trying to get out what he needs to. He says Jerusalem coming to Raw means someone is heading to SmackDown. And when he said that, you could hear a little bit of gas, like, okay, somebody went to SmackDown. Why are you, are you the one going? Tell us once and for all. And a disgruntled Raw locker room. He says while he isn't best friends with Jay, he wasn't going to stand by as Judgment Day attacked him because helping him was the right thing to do. He calls Judgment Day toxic before the group's music hit. So we had Damien Priest, Finn Balor, and Dominic Mysterio make their way out down to the ring. And Balor asks Roots why he has to stick his nose in Judgment Day business. Priest says they gave Jay the chance to join a real family. But he had to save the day because everything is about him. Dominic looks to speak, but obviously, you know, the bulls, whether they piped in or the ones, they, the crowd did. <laughs> but there was bulls. So Roots tells him, that although he has a real family, they can't stand him. He asked, uh, that was referred to Dominic Mysterio. He, he then asked Judgment Day what happens when Rhea returns and all three of them have lost their titles tonight. Dominic tells Roots to keep Ripley's name out of his mouth before hopping on the apron with Priest and Balor. Then suddenly, Jay appears to provide Roots with some backup. And joining him was Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. So we had four against three with the odds becoming four against three, like I said earlier. So, Judgment Day backs down because, obviously, uh, there's no way they are taking down those four men. However, halfway on the ramp, JD McDonald, the fake JD, by the way, uh, appears with the two with two chairs in hand. He hands one to Balor and then heads into the ring alongside with Dominican Priest, trying to stop them. But they, they disregarded them and they, they brawled and shows. Owen, Zane, Rhodes, and Jay Dump, McDonald, Balor, and the rest of the Judgment Day out of the ring. They all go after Priest, and Rhodes cracks one chair across his spine. So, this was, that's, that was the segment, that was the opening segment for the three hours of Ramana Raw before 
we are seeing Alpha Academy making their way down with Bronson Reed coming out so with the match ahead. But before we talk about that match, what was uh, what's your take on um on that show? What's your take on what was your take on uh, on the show and um how are we going to what am I even asking you? Please give me your give me your rest, your take on the, uh, the opening segment of the show and your take on everything like with the um um Rose statement mentioning the bloodline uh, since months, addressing him um helping out Jay talking about like we had a lot a whole lot of stuff so what's your take on that okay um i really don't have much to say because you basically said it all but the only thing i will have to say is why is it that for three consecutive weeks now we've always had judgment day starting off this show like i don't i don't know what is wrong it's either dominic mysterio comes out to interrupt or We'll have the three of them coming out, except Rhea. Like, they are really giving Judgment Day TV time where they are supposed to be using, utilizing other um, stars in the locker room. But I'm not like trying to be a bad woman here or against Judgment Day. They are doing everything that, that, that they can, and I really appreciate their work in the ring. Now, the Cody Rhodes issue. Obviously, Cody Rhodes came out and said what he had to say and I was even glad that he wasn't interrupted by that ass Dominic Mysterio before he could make his announcement so I don't know who because as it, as it is right now no one knows who they are taking to Smackdown so let's not just assume that it's Cody Rhodes that is going to Smackdown because WWE can be very funny sometimes so let's not and do many things yet. Let's just keep following it up as everything is. Then this whole issue with Judgment ID. Day. ID. ID. Yeah. I just, as you were talking, I it just clicked uh, right there in my head. Who is the poster, poster child for USA Network right now? Is it Seth Rollins or Cody Rhodes? Well, if you ask me, I would definitely say Cody Rhodes. Okay, calm down. Now, Cody Rhodes is a poster child for USA Network, right? Yes. Now, who paid 1.4 billion US dollars to acquire SmackDown starting next year <laughs> for uh, for them to have a five year con- five year deal to bring that show to USA Network? Which network did that for WWE? USA Network did. Now, calm down. Yeah. The poster child is Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes is talking about moving to SmackDown. SmackDown has been moved, it has been bought by, um, has been paid for by USA Network to begin streaming on their on their cable network starting next October. And we are still eight months away from um, WrestleMania. Seven or eight months away from WrestleMania. And we still have this The Rock scenario looming. We still have Cody Rhodes finishing his story looming. Are you seeing? Are you trying to see the foreshadowing that is going on right now with the poster child and the show actually coming to USA Network? So, this is not them losing. If if Cody is being moved to SmackDown, he will just be on Fox for a while. But he's actually still going to come back to USA Network as their poster child. And maybe by the time the show comes to to their networks by October, the boy might be 
the odd dispute. Let us not get that. So, sorry, I was, <laughs> I was trying to think out loud there. Uh, yeah, I don't blame you for that because they might get to finish the story, but you know, like you said, the rock coming in, we don't know what is being planned out here, and we are actually like seeing Roman might actually lose the title as Royal Rumble if all things being equal, if they actually want to put the rock versus Roman for WrestleMania next year. And this USA coming to SmackDown with, I think, October 2024. So we still have like a year before that actually becomes a reality. So back to our discussion. The whole show started with Cody Rhodes making his announcement that Jay, him bringing Jay Uso to Monday Night Raw means somebody will be traded to SmackDown and then the judgment day comes out and all that, blah, 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 blah. Coming out to talk their shenanigans and their what they were given to say. And then the part I really enjoyed about it was when judgment they were given what they actually deserve. And I don't know if I'm try if I'm actually deviating from it, but I really think that if all things being equal, the right set of people who are supposed to face this judgment day is not even Cody, um, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens. I really want to see them go head to head with Lashley and his boys, the Street Profits, because those are the the guys that are basically going to put. The judgment day in their place but let's just see how everything plays out the whole judgment day scenario and how everything is going to play out whether Cody Rhodes will actually go to SmackDown or he will still remain on Monday Night Raw a lot of things like you said earlier on, on the show we still have so many questions yet unanswered so let's just watch and see what happens alright that was amazing by you um, from amazing to big meaty men going at it. I mean, big meaty men were <laughs> cracking it up somewhere down in the US. Um, Biggie was laughing and having the best time of his life because the next match on the show is a match we did not thought we needed. But my god, did those two men make me love pro wrestling? Damn, Otis with Matt, uh, Mattis, uh, Martin Dupree, um, uh, versus Bronson Reed. Uh, the bell rings and these two bulls. I mean, there was a there was a there was a point in that match that uh, Michael was trying to make reference to these two people, and he did not know the kind of um, bo- uh, Lexis I mean, the company wanted to use, and he called them buffaloes, and he was now laughing because he was like, "Damn!" Like of all of this to call them, like he was trying not to, you know, say it, but like, well, I was supposed to do. I was supposed to describe these two to the audience. <laughs> he said two buffaloes, and like. When Bray was like, you mean boom, boom. <laughs> Damn. But these two definitely cooked. I loved the match. I loved the psychology. I loved the story. I loved it. Like, it, the, the, when the mates were slapping it, I'm like, Damn, this is what we are in here for. I mean, this was definitely the match for me for the night. Uh, obviously, um, the match you're going to review later on will be contesting with this. But this match was really fun. The bell rings and the two lock up. Reed looks for a shoulder tackle, but Otis stays on his feet and looks for one of his own. 
Rich stays standing before the pair attempts to level one another with a clothesline. After an unsuccessful first try, they both take one another down a second time. The action spills to the outside and Otis' clothesline raid. Reed then sends him crashing into the ring post, levels him with a clothesline of his own before getting him back inside the ring. Reed gets Otis on his shoulders, plants him with a small end drop. That was amazing. Like, that small end drop was like, it was beautiful. I mean, I believe maybe it's because it was two big men. Like, just you seeing him carry up, like, he, he carried Otis as if Otis was <laughs> one pound. I'm like, damn. They leveled one another with close uh, cross bodies and Otis lands a back suplex. He follows it up with a splash in the corner and the caterpillar then ascends to the middle rope and looks for a Vader bomb. Then Reed moves out of the way and delivers a running scent on that. That sequence was beautiful. Him trying to go for the uh, Vader bomb, missed it. Um, Reed gets up immediately and gave him a scent on, ascends to the top and my God, did he land the tsunami. That was beautiful. And he pinned Otis. That match was lovely. I mean, the fans were into it. Uh, like that, I mean, crazy. I, I'm, even, I'm even out of words. Um, um, ID, what's your take on that? On the match? And the entire situation with the, the big meeting made going at it. I wish Biggie was actually still working with the company because Biggie actually was the one who made the suggestion of Two meeting men going at it in the ring. Well, these guys, they really brought their A game because for for the company to trust somebody like Otis, because if you've been watching Bronson Reed right from NXT, you will know that Bronson Reed has this star capacity. This guy is actually good. This guy has the ability. Or should I say he has the charisma of being a world champion someday. But when you check out somebody like Otis, like you've not really seen what they have been using Otis for for like years now. I remember when he was with his former partner before he joined this Alpha Academy. If you check what they were using, what they were booking Otis to do, like it wasn't really good for somebody as massive as that guy because Otis is someone that, with that kind of body, you should be in the league of Mark Henry or the big show. You're supposed to be in those categories whereby you intimidate and destroy your opponents. But look at Otis dancing and doing caterpillar inside the ring. Like, who does that? But look at, check out somebody like Bronson Reed, my guy. Like, just look at that guy. As in that guy, his face alone is amazing. It's amazing. Because when you look at that kind of face like this, like guy, you you, you know that this kind of person is a no nonsense kind of person. You will not even expect Bronson Reed to be that kind of person that will just come into the ring and then come and start having a swell time and be doing like what Brutus Clay was doing before he came to his senses. Like Bronson Reed and Otis delivering in the ring was just a good one and I really love this creative idea. I don't know who wrote this match and who was behind this creativity but the person is actually, as in the person is actually very, very outstanding in what he or she does because now you've you've brought out this side of Otis whereby people know that aside from the fun-loving Otis and all that, Otis can actually be 
an intimidating kind of individual, somebody that if re if WWE really if they don't release him, he might actually he will just be like in the leagues of Mark because that's where I'm seeing him right now. Because somebody like Bronson Reed, Bronson Reed is already doing what Mark Henry does. If you watch Mark Henry, you will see that Bronson Reed and Mark Henry, there are no much differences. The only thing is that Bronson Reed is more athletic than Mark Henry in the sense that he does moves that Mark Henry could not, could not and will never ever try to do. I've never seen Mark Henry doing top rope. <laughs> Or this tsunami that, <laughs> that Bronson Reed does, but the match, everything was just perfect. It was okay. I really loved the match and everything. I like how WWE is currently using Otis at the moment because Otis needs to build himself in the sense that if he and Chad Gable actually separate, we will know that yes, Otis is going to be a star on his own without Chad Gable by his side. Then Bronson Reed, we already know that any moment from now we will see a title around his waist. So, you know, as, just as you were talking, um, I don't know, I've been having this kind of uh, for me like since um, for a while. Maybe it's because that's why I used to like, I'm so happy. That's why we have this our fourth installment of this show and we are still going because the chemistry is next to none. I like, uh, as we were talking about Otis, like after watching those two today, I was like, I just wish there was something that would have. Otis turn on Gable and Gable fight underneath and you know Otis is in the turn of Gable's side for a while. Yes. And then there comes a place where Bronson Reed be the one to be the one to instigate. I mean, like, look at you, look at the match you 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 we two, we both of us had. Imagine two of us working together. The sky is the limit for like imagine them, you know, have a conversation, they will talk and then they, they wow. analyze, they talk and everything. And then he helps Otis to separate from um, Gable taking Maxine with with him, and then Maxine is um, there to you know manage and take care of the both of them, and they become a tag team. I mean, imagine the brutal matches they will be giving all the tag team in the end. Like nobody's going to touch those two, and if they get those titles, it's over. It is locked down. Nobody's taking it from. I mean, with the I mean, it's crazy with the amateur wrestling background of Otis and the brutality of uh, Bronson Reed. The, I mean, the tax division will just be on, uh, you know, on serious. So like, I'm sorry to cut you short, but you, you've actually seen what I'm seeing here because Bronson and Otis teaming together, they will actually be the best kind of tag team, and they can even go ahead against the Judgment Day and they will squash them. Yeah, so the like, I think right now, as world champions. This is not me disrespecting them or if they are not world, they are world yeah. championship material. But my god, we know the company we are talking about here. It's going to be, we have a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, we know this is a lot of stories. Before they will get to their turn, it might not even come now. It's like it's crazy. So let's see how we can keep these two going stronger and have them make killer matches. I mean, because I don't even want them, even you see the IC title. And it's not going away anytime soon from um, Gunta at the moment. So it's really crazy. What are you going to do with them? <laughs> How are you going to be? Which title are they going to go for? You want to state championship. You can Like, I don't even... I don't care. That title is, is good as dead right now. So the tag team division is, is needing a lot of star power. And with Otis and um, Bronson Reed, I mean, talk about making business. That would be very... Um, that would amazing. be good for business. 
Um, as well, we um, I love that match. Congratulations to Bronson. That match was amazing. Congratulations to the both of them, Bronson and Otis. I mean, I love the business they did um last night. Um, so we then see Becky Lynch shining from a star to another star, from sorry from from stars to another star. We then see Becky Lynch shining up at NXT Women's Championship backstage. Tiggy Knox walks in and see. First of all, I need to say I love whoever idea was this to make this a reality. This somebody, the person did great because I loved the fact that they gave someone like Tiggy Knox an opportunity to be live on TV and do something. And I love what they did with her tonight. You know, we have Tiggy Knox walking. Walk you know, there's a lot of complaints last week. When um, Natty was the one that accepted the challenge, a lot of people were like, "Okay, so we have people like Tiggy Knox in the roster. We have um, in the hardware that people pulled from NXT. We have Kevin Kazanzaro. We have all those other ladies. And a lot of people are giving it to Natalia because Natalia was the one that represented um, took over Becky Lynch spots when they went for India. So you had to give her a pat on the back, like why? You know, people complained a lot of something that was born in because of that issue. So I I really appreciate the fact that. Becky was able to. I know for sure that she she'll be one of those instigators that made this thing happen, because obviously she will say this is a developmental um, championship, so we should use it to develop our women. So uh, whoever was in charge of this did a very phenomenal job. That is just me trying to you know appreciate what I saw on live TV as a wrestling fan. So we had Tiggy Knox walks in and Lynch says she expected her to answer open challenge. Um, instead of Natalia last week. I mean, all of us expected that too. So Knox says she thought she would uh, let the veteran answer uh, then uh, the call. And after offering some advice, Lynch offers her the NXT uh, sh- the, uh, the next shot after she defends against Tiffany, which is this um, Saturday at NXT's pay-per-view, no mercy. So we, we see... Um, we're back from the break, and Tomasa Champa is heading to the ring. And back from the break, we head back and we see Tiggy Knox and Natalia asking Adam Pierce. Tiggy Knox went over to see Adam Pierce to discuss about uh title opportunity. In walks Natalia, you know, trying to um ask Adam Pierce a title shot. And then Pierce, uh, Pierce, um, Tiggy was pissed. He was like, ah, uh-uh. they should give you a title shot after you, you, you had yours last week and you lost. So because you are a veteran, you just think you can just walk like she was trying to be, you know. That's like a young person getting frustrated. Okay, I've been here in the back seat waiting for my turn. And I'm done waiting. She, would take, she took the advice of um, Becky. When Becky said, sometimes you have to step on tools to get what she wants. You might not have to wait for the opportunity. Sometimes you have to just go take it yourself. And she was, I mean, she she gave it to Natty. Uh, that's why we like, no, she's not with anything. And obviously, Pierce makes a number one continuous match official between the both of them. Um, before we talk about the match between Tommaso Champa. Um, uh, versus Ludwig Kaiser. I think I should just go through the match. Obviously, it was a crazy match. I loved what these guys did. Um, with the bell ringing and the two locking up, Kaiser delivers the right hand to Champa. Um, so uh, Champions mix session as Gunther watching the action from backstage. Kaiser delivers a, sh- a shoulder tackle, but Champa fires back with rapid uh, right hands and a chop to Kaiser's spine. The pair then take turns landing strikes on one another in the corner before Kaiser sends Champa crashing into the ring steps. Back from the break, um, Champa is hanging up the top rope as Kaiser sends him crashing, crashing out with a back body drop. Kaiser looks to get back in, but gets met with a series of chops. Champa then dumps him uh, back inside the clothesline, him out of the ring on the other side. He sends him into the announce decks, 
um, face first and tosses him out of the ring steps, then delivers the DDT off the mid-rope uh, as a means of getting him back in the ring. Kaiser gets Champa up on his shoulders, on his shoulders, but Champa escapes and delivers a um, side Russian leg sweep. Vinci ups on the apron, but Champa levels him with a knee as the freak checks on him. Kaiser lands a kick and looks to pin Champa. The four isn't counted, and the frustrated Kaiser kicks Vinci out of the ring. It, this open doors for Champa to land a jumping knee strike on Kaiser for the win. And Tommaso Champa wins the match. So, um, I want you to give me your take on this match with Tommaso Champa and Kaiser. Then also your take on the Becky Lunch um, segment and also the Adam Pierce and Natalia with Tiki Knox um, segment too. So, just give me your take on these three stuff before we move on to the next uh, one. Thank you so much, ID. Okay. Um... I'll first of all start with Becky Lynch on because as at last week when I logged in when I um, followed um, this wrestling stuff I follow on Twitter so I saw that Becky was actually scheduled to face the Janoff last week and she was the one who instigated that she wanted to face the Janoff then you know, WWE, like I, I like I always keep telling you, WWE will always give you what they feel is right and not what we, the fans, want. So, I'm really just glad that Tiganox had to stand up for herself because this is the Tiganox I wanted to see. And Tiganox has always been my crush ever since we started this um, wrestling business. So, I'm really happy that they finally gave him my crush a big time opportunity and she's really and she's going to be rolling with the big time bosses as um, as Beck Lynch. So I'm really just happy that she was able to stand up for herself and I'm really glad that Natalia is even the one that they are actually using for this storyline because Natalia is a veteran in this business. So them using Natalia as somebody that Tiganox uh, has to pass through. It's actually the best kind of storyline because Natalia, you've, you've accomplished everything in the business. You, you, you've done um, many vented pay-per-views. You've become Raw Women's Champion. You've become Divas Champion, SmackDown Women's Champion. And you are just too good. And I don't, I can't even recall, but Natalia has accomplished herself in, in the business. So, so she coming up to say that, to say everything that she said to Tiganox and Tiganox standing up for her right is actually the best kind of storyline because as Nature Boy will always say, in order to beat, to beat the man, you got, you have to beat the man. So that's just the whole scenario. I picture in that kind of storyline. Now moving over to Champa and Kaiser. When if you are looking at it, I think we might be having Imperium dying down anytime soon because Kaiser and Vinci have not been getting along for quite some time now, and I think the person who is actually doing this, who is actually the force behind it, it's always. Kaiser, because if you watch closely, whenever Kaiser has a match and Vinci is there, Kaiser always loses. And where um, Vinci is supposed to come 
like to distract and so that Kaiser will get the win. You will not see Vinci doing it to the taste of Kaiser. So Imperium like this, I'm I'm actually seeing Imperium crumbling down in the sense that along the line, Kaiser and Vinci will will, will have to go against each other and Kaiser will be the only one to continue with the Gunther as it, as it is right now. And Vinci, for me, Vinci is an amazing athlete. The guy is very good in his in-ring stuff. So I'm really looking forward for what is there for those guys to do. Then the match. The match was actually okay. Then I think this is just like a build-up whereby you... They are trying to build up Champa to face Gunther and using Kaiser. Well, the way I will see it, the match was, like I said, the match was okay, but Champa versus Gunther is something that we really don't want to see it happen on Monday Night Raw, it's something that everyone will want to see at the live, at the premium live event. So, I just want, I don't know if WWE can book it in such a way that they will have fans to hunger for this match. They will just build, they will just be like a build up because as it is now, there is no kind of build up for this match. No offense, but I'm not really feeling the build up towards Gunther versus Champa. Unlike those days when they were in NXT, like everybody were just like anticipating the match. But this one, I don't know whether it's just me or I feel they need more time to build up this match so that the hype can be very, very extraordinary. So that in the, when they finally meet inside the ring, we will know that we are going to expect a classic five-star match coming from Gunther and Tommaso Ciampa. So basically, that's my take on those segments. All right, um, I did. Thank you so much. So um, back from the break, Becky Lynch heads uh, down to join the commentary decks, where while Tiggy Knox and Natalia followed for their matchup, we had Tiggy Knox and. Um, Natalia for the number one continuous match for the NXT Women's Championship. Um, um, the next Monday night, following the the matchup, um, there. So the bell rings and the two lock up. They go back and forth, exchanging, uh, exchanging submission holds before Knox fires off a few right hands and an uppercut. Um, she follows it up with a running center in the corner, but Natalia fires back with a power bomb. Knox sends Natalia into the middle. It was a short match. Um, uh, middle rope face first, then hits the shiniest wizard for the win. Winner and new number one contender, Tiggy Knox. After the match, Linja and Knox share one uh, stay at one, uh, stay down at one another. And then we head to the uh, you review that match, but this segment you review it too. We then head backstage to ju- uh, Judgment Day and see the main priest chew out JD, I mean the fake JD, by the way, for what happened earlier tonight. It makes it clear he isn't part of the group and kicks him out of their lounge. As they are out of their lounge, um, then we see the world heavyweight champion Seth, uh, Seth Fra- uh, freaking Rollins making his way down. So, man, uh, before we head there, what's your take on 
JD chewing the fuck out of um, JD McDonald, the fake JD, by the way, about his um, him trying to um, come in um, between their family that is not part of the group. He shouldn't make decisions for them. He shouldn't, yeah, like, he, he made him get his ass uh, kicked this uh, last night. And I mean, it was just crazy. And the number one continuous match. So, uh, your take on that. Okay, um, I really don't have much to say, but everything that just happened has explained it all because, you know, when McDonald actually came in, Twist has always been saying that he has to um, gain their, their trust and gain their respect. So McDonald really, from that segment, we didn't meet up because if you watch what happened <laughs> at the beginning of the show, <laughs> it was actually the one <laughs> who, who made Cody Rose. Remember, yeah, yeah, under the weather. So please take care of yourself. Don't laugh too much. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying not to laugh, but it's actually funny because McDonald in at the start of the show was actually the one who received most of the beating. From yes, Prince threw him out for like he allowed them to kick his ass as if it was only him that received the beatings. <laughs> exactly my point. So, from that segment, it's already there is nothing much for someone to say there. So, the only thing that I'm seeing there is that McDonald was like he was he, he thought that he actually belonged since. He has been helping the Judgment Day with their wings and all that, but mm. he still needed some time and he still needed, let me just say, he still need, needed more time to prove that he really belonged. So that was why they had to do, they had to give him that kind of treatment. So that's my take. Wow. So you're not, you're not reviewing the women's match? What did they do to you? No, I thought we were not going to review the, the women's match. <laughs> Why would you do that? Is that why you hate that talent? No, I don't. I, no, 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 no. I already told you that Tiganox is my crush. So uh, if I don't review oh, that oh, match. Please pipe down, pipe down a bit, pipe down a bit, please. <laughs> am, I, am I mad? I have to review the match because that match was actually a good one in the sense that. Tegan and Natalia, they actually fought against each other. Because I could remember when Natalia was doing some kind of work with NXT back then. So the two of them, they locked horns together. And I'm really glad. Though the match was short, but I'm happy that Tegan Knox had to prove why she belongs in the big leagues. So... I'm really just happy that they are actually using Tiganox, right? And I want that momentum to keep on growing because after she faces Becky Lynch and then delivers the five-star match, more opportunities are going to come up. And mm-hmm. I want to see Tiganox versus Rhea Ripley down the line because mm-hmm. if you against Becky Lynch, it means that you can actually go on your own against Rhea Ripley. I'm not like saying Rhea and Becky because I, I don't want anybody to say I'm putting I'm saying something now but Becky versus Rhea 
I'm looking forward to that match because right now we've not we've not really had that opportunity to see the build up for Becky versus Rhea right now. But what I'm trying to say in essence is that if Tigan can last in the in the ring with Becky, who is the greatest of all time right now, she should have no challenge going one on one with Rhea Ripley for the World Heavyweight Championship. Women's Championship. So I'm just looking forward to see what WWE is going to use Tegan Knox in the coming weeks to do because I really miss her and all her works that she used to do. You know, it, the crazy thing about Tegan Knox, sorry for interrupting you there, is that I, I I don't like the fact that they, they haven't still tapped into that story because I feel, talk, talk about somebody not finishing their story in terms of Cody Rhodes here. The fact that Tegan Knox has not finished her story yet, because remember um, years ago during the May Young Classic, she blew out her knee, the other knee. The following yes. year, they built, they built it so well that, oh, Tegan Knox is back. I mean, she was taken out of the competition because she, uh, she blew out her knee. And then during that, like, she was built, built as if she was going to win that tournament. Everybody was on, like, on Tegan Knox's side. And during the tournament, she blew out the other knee. I mean, it was crazy. It's like how, like I remember one of those, uh, one of the, uh, during those years, like uh, I was with my godparents, and she was like, she said, my godparents are like, oh, even as a village people just know one minute get doing it. Like, how you go break leg for last year? You waited a full year, rehabbed, prepared, came back. They can't break your leg again. Like now, so they hate you reach for village. Like it was just really crazy to see how um, how much that girl worked her ass off and did not still get that opportunity. I like did not really uh, make it out of there. So it was like I just wish they can tap into that story of like, oh, have Becky call her out and be like, yeah, what are you trying to do? You that every single opportunity you have, you an injury prone. Who tells you that you can take over the NSU women's division and you can make it better? Like, how are you going to make it better with two legs, two knees that is not even good? I mean, let them tap into that story and tell that story better. So, I really expected, um, I mean, more from them. And another thing we have to look out for is since Tegan is always prone to getting injured, let's just hope she doesn't get injured before we get to see her face back in next week because. I always notice that whenever Tegan has with big matches coming up, and like you said, village people, she ends up getting herself injured. And injury, it mustn't necessarily be that you had to be in the ring with someone. It can be when you are actually working out in the mm. performance or you are at the gym. So the only thing I can just say is let Tegan just take it easy. On herself right now, and let's just and let her just see how she can work matches without her blowing off her knee. And let's just you know when Stone Cold ha, um, had his own injury issues, especially with um, Daniel Bryan and Edge. When they came back, they worked out a different wrestling style. So let's just hope that Egan will definitely work out a different kind of wrestling style when she's getting herself injured or sidelined throughout the year. I would find it very funny if they release Siganov because if they release Siganov, I might not watch 
Yeah, I mean, that's really crazy. And I I I I swear I really wish I wish um this story will be the story will be tapped in, they will they will do more and I pray uh, I really hope they do cook um come this weekend when it comes to those two ladies because I mean we can expect a whole lot from them. So um after... you were saying something? No, all I was trying to say was that I don't I just hope they don't get her released if she gets herself injured. That's what I was trying to say. I mean, this injury-prone shit has really sidelined us so much. A lot of opportunities have been taken away from her because of that. Man, you are not wrong when you say that. Um, obviously, um, we did talk about um, this, and um, we were moving on to a match. Uh, the next one, I'm trying to get my notes here. My my phone all, all of a sudden just froze. Uh, my notes wasn't here. So, uh, yeah, Seth Rollins made his way down. And then, Rollins welcomes fans to Monday Night Raw. Uh, Monday Night Rollins, sorry. Then tells the crowd that if they are sick and tired of Shinsuke Nakamura as he is, then they should sing his song. I mean, this man is crazy. <laughs> he tells them to do the same if they think it's time for him to defend his World Heavyweight Championship. Then calls out Shinsuke Nakamura unless he wants him to move on to another challenger. Nakamura then appears on the Titan uh, Tron and says Rollins has many demands. He says he wants nothing more than to be the... I mean, this was he was speaking in Japanese while it was subtitled to the audience. You know, and it was shown on the big screen. So everybody could um, see. I, I love the fact that they allow him to tap into his mother tongue while we try to decode it with the subtitles. It's really happening because now he can... He really um, expresses himself better. You know, because trying to speak English takes us out of the elements because we are like, wait, what is he trying to say? But I mean, speaking his mother tongue and then we seeing in South Africa, that 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 was amazing. That's a, that's been an amazing experience. Yeah, yeah. I love that they should come. They converse better with their mother tongue, and it will be it will come off um most more amazing. You get. So all right, um, he says he wants nothing more than to be the straw that breaks. Rollins back. He then says, while his stamina is admirable, he has no patience. He says Rollins showed, he, showed his hand while he has yet to show his then formally accept Rollins' challenge. He calls his shot for the World Heavyweight Championship at first lane in a last man standing match, okay? Rollins <laughs> takes a minute to think over and admits that Nakamura played his hand perfectly. He says... Nakamura is forgetting one thing, and that is that his back is not a weakness, but rather a strength. He says his family will only be ashamed of him if he doesn't give it his all. Then he then accepts his stipulation and says one of them will walk out as champion, adding that will be him, Seth freaking Rollins. Last man standing. World Heavyweight Championship match. Rollins Nakamura. What's your take? Ah. Ha, ha, ha. I knew this was what they were going to do, but I was actually expecting an unsanctioned match, but a last man standing match is just the perfect stipulation for this storyline right now because, you know, if you're looking at it in a layman's view, you will get to understand that Seth 
or let me let me not no, let me not use Seth Rollins now. Let me just use like a layman's uh, view. Now, what we are trying to say here is that this last man standing stipulation, what it act, what it entails is that one of them will leave that place standing, and scientifically speaking, you need your back in order for you to stand. So. I really just love the way I love the stipulation that they are currently using right now. And Shinsuke, I told you about two weeks ago on this podcast that Shinsuke is actually playing mind games with somebody who is like a master of mind games. Because Seth Rollins coming out into the ring and then demanding a match against Shinsuke after Shinsuke has done everything he has done, including Ricochet and everything, and then everything boils down to them having a last man standing match. If you look at it very well, you will discover that at the end of the day, Seth Rollins has, is the one who won in the mind games. Because if you look at that segment very well, you will get to understand that what Seth was saying that is back is going to be like his strength. That's alone supposed to tell you that Seth Rollins is a master manipulator in the sense that Shinsuke might really think that attacking Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins back will actually uh, entail that in a couple of minutes into the match that he will be the one who will work out as heavyweight champion. But he is, let me just say, that it was a nice build-up, but all the same, I'm going to say that Seth Rollins is working out as the last man standing and still a world heavyweight champion. Why do I say this? The reason why I'm saying this is because they built Nakamura to be a monster heel against Seth Rollins, targeting his back. And now, for Seth to come into the ring and say that he's back, it's not actually his weakness and it's actually his strength. It means that Seth may have something off his sleeve which he will use to de- to destroy Nakamura once and for all and end that storyline between himself and Nakamura so that they can focus on something else. So I really love that segment and I'm and I'm definitely looking forward to their match. And like I said, and like Seth said. They made the best man best win, win, which is him, Seth, freaking Rollins. And there is no point for anybody to say Nakamura is going to win this and Nakamura is going to do that. No. The match is going to be physical. The match is going to be brutal. Seth's back is going to be attacked. But Nakamura will have to think of something other than attacking Seth's back. If he wants to be the last man standing because the Seth Rollins that I know is a dangerous man. For him to say that his back would definitely be his strength in that match. If you watch, if you have been watching Seth Rollins matches, especially on sanctioned match, and if you, I don't know if you were opportunity to watch Seth versus Triple H. Yeah, at WrestleMania 33. Yes. Where yeah. H had to target Seth's knee 
thinking that that was Seth's weakness. And look yeah. at what happened at the end. Seth came out, giving not just giving a five-star match, but Seth put Triple H in his place. So what, where am I going with this? What I'm going with this is that Nakamura, it was nice how you, you built yourself for this match, but at the end of the day, Fastly, we are going to hear, and still, the world heavyweight champion, Seth freaking Rollins. That you mean it's about it. I think the, 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 the crazy, the even logically, this really sets uh, itself apart because when you target somebody's <laughs> weakness or you constantly point out somebody's weakness, that pushes them. Um, to a point whereby they have to work their way too hard in terms to in order for it to become um a strength for them because they know for sure well i might not be um this back is is really eating me hard i cannot get my job done but since you have really played it that you want to target my back i will see how i can dodge you i can i'll see how i can you know because now nakamura's um idea is to only go for the back what if exactly. Rollins comes for that match and takes out his knees and he cannot use it to target the back? What is he going to use? And so he's just focusing on Rollins' back and he's forgetting that Rollins is not just somebody that can be messed with. You should be targeting everything. If you're coming for Rollins, come with Rollins and don't leave him alive. And that's why I believe that match, last man standing match, will be a match that we all will come out of the people looking, wow, that was amazing. So um, that was it for that. Talk about a match that we will we'll look at like that was amazing. The next match was something we did not know we needed. I mean, Dominic freaking Mysterio for all his what, for all of the craziness he can do for the for the way he is. <laughs> I mean, Dominic and Dragon freaking Lee delivered tonight. Jesus, did they cook. I mean, on social media, this match was trending. We even heard the producer was... um. Nick Aldis, I don't know how true this is. If it is Nick Aldis that actually did this match, he has already started proving himself as one of the best producers out there. I mean, it's the Tyson Kid of the men's division. This match cooked. Damn. So the bell rings and Dominic Mysterio um, delivers a kick to um, Lee's midsection, but Lee fires back with a shoulder tackle and a hurricane runner that sends Dominic out of the ring. He then goes flying over the top rope to level him, then tosses him back inside the ring, goes for a pin. Dominic kicks out and clinches in a um, half-busting crap. Lee makes it under the bottom rope to break the hole before Dominic delivers the DT on, to Lee on the apron. Back from the break, Dominic ascends to the top and looks for a frog splash. Lee gets his knees up and fires right uh, fires off right hands, then lands a pair of back elbows and a kick to Dominic's midsection. He then delivers a drop kick to his face. In the corner, but Dominic plants him with a machinical driver and sends him into the ropes face first. He dials it up for the 619, but Lee ducks out of the way. And The bag, he gets him, he gets him back inside the ring, 
and lands a, a power bomb, then goes for a pin. But Dominic kicks out. Lee ascends to the top, but Dominic meets him up there. Lee manages to drape him off the top buckles and deliver a double stomp off the top rope. Dominic then manages to land a frog splash for the win. And still champion Dominic Mysterio. Man, what was your take on this? Because to me, this was one of the best I've seen Dominic in the ring. And he looked amazing. Well, what I have to say is that for somebody like Dominic, who is currently the hottest heel, on the roster right now, like <laughs> a heel that the fans don't even want to hear whatever crap you want to say. Delivering that kind of a match, it means that I don't know how to say this, but it means that Dominic would have actually been a heel without um, having to join this um, Judgment Day faction and he would still be delivering. I don't know if you get what where I'm, I'm going right now. Because for Dominic to deliver this kind of a match, it means that if he was actually on his own without the judgment day, he would have still been putting off five-star matches. And if you've been watching Dominic's matches ever since he became North American champion, he has been, I mean, Rhea Ripley has always been by his side coming out to help him. But on this episode of Raw, he proved to everyone why he is a North American champion and why he deserves to be a champion because for any doubter out there, Dominic has already closed their mouth and told them that he is a champion and he is a fighting champion like he always like he always says. So the match was awesome. The chemistry between Dragon Lee to get Dragon Lee and Dominic Mysterio, two guys with Lucha Libre all origin, they delivered. I'm pretty much sure that storyline or not, Rey Mysterio will be proud that his boy is actually doing well in his business, in this business. So, Dominic, for me, I earned my respect because for him to go all alone without mommy by his side, it means that Dominic is actually. A, a, a dominant champion on his own. So I'm looking forward to seeing more classic matches from him. That is if WWE will allow him be the star that he, he was born to be without attaching Mami to his matches almost every time. So that is my thing. I mean, uh, I mean, it was really crazy. Do we need to uh, um, address this Nia Jax segment with Michael Cole and then a match is to his tag? Because to me, it's... it's I mean, we that's tough to me. I have something to say about that match. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Talk about it, please. Talk about it because I'm not ready to talk about this. You can talk. You have the floor. Take it away. Okay. The match itself was actually a good match. Though it was... Like it was looking as if it was a squash match, but I'm really glad that Zoe Stark was able to come out and stand up for herself, telling Nia Jax that she may be a big bully and all that, but she cannot bully her Zoe Stark. 
and the booking of everything i i really did not expect zoe stark to be the one to come out i was like expecting someone like shana to come in there but you know if shana actually came out naya Jax would have been on the receiving end of something very very serious coming from shana because shana would definitely not take nonsense from naya Jax and with her MMA background and everything, you know she's definitely not going to take such shit from Nia Jax. So, the match alone, Nia Jax coming out and then feeling herself that she's now the new face, the new face of destruction and everything. Like, I don't just get why she's, she's just coming back now. Don't, let's just wait for Mami to return. And you know, she already has a feud with Raquel. So let her just be coming down first. This one, nobody can challenge her. The only person that I feel might even challenge her if WWE might work, might be willing to work that angle will be do drop. But as it is now, WWE, I don't, I'm not sure they have plans of working uh, jacks and do drop facing each other. So I'm looking forward to seeing where this Nia Jax storyline is going because as it is now, she's pissing off all the women in the locker room and I would uh, I would love to see her face all of them at once and all the women in the locker room giving it to her back to back if that is where this storyline is going but for now I'm looking forward to Rhea and Raquel coming back either of them coming back to face Naya Jax and then whoever wins should continue I mean, we will continue to face the Ripley for the World Championship. So that is just my tip. Talk about a skippable segment. I mean, no disrespect to the Miz, and no disrespect to Drew. I'm not sorry, I'm not uh, to Drew McIntyre. No disrespect to the rest of the boys, the new day that were there. But like, man, I, I mean, this was just this just rigged of Vince McMahon. Like, I'm like, damn. So, what's your take on this um, New Day calling McIntyre out and McIntyre trying to, def- um, not like kind of like defending himself, but just trying to like say the obvious, like, come on, I'm just sick and tired of all this bullshit. Like, I just need my my time in the sun and all of that. And then their match with Kofi Kingston, which actually cooked, uh, but with um, Big D, Drew McIntyre coming out victorious. What's your take on that? And also with the fact that... Um, uh, Gunther is pissed with um his boys and everything. So just give me your take on all of that before we can go straight to the main event and you know, wrap up the show. Okay, um, I will just try and make it short, but I'm not mm. promising anything. <laughs> um, the McIntyre segment and everything, guy. I don't know if you could recall when I was telling you that. We are on the verge of seeing a heel McIntyre, but it's just uh, missing a couple of time. They are just giving it time because the match, the segment he had with the Miz, him being there and then saying everything. But I watched it and if you look at it, McIntyre was basically saying everything from the heart because he's sick and tired of everything that is happening around him and he just needs his space to think of what is next for McIntyre to do because the storyline, assuming Riddle was still there, wouldn't have worked out 
McIntyre and Riddle working as a tag team will not really, they don't really have the chemistry, they don't have the bond the way Riddle and Orton had their, their chemistry together. So, my guy is just pissed at how a whole face of the company, who Vince McMahon said will be the face of the company, look at where he is right now, doing, doesn't know where he is heading in his career, doing all sorts of things like that. Like, after the match and everything with Kofi Kingston, the match was was a great match, no offense. Kofi Kingston, a veteran, and McIntyre too, a veteran of the business, two potential Hall of Famers giving it their very best in the ring and McIntyre coming out on top as as it is supposed to be. So, after the match, McIntyre leaves the ring and then they knew they get beaten by the Viking Raiders. For me, I have nothing against McIntyre because the New Day and the Viking Raiders, it's a storyline of its own. This does not concern McIntyre at the moment. Let's just assume that they have closed the chapter of Viking Raiders and McIntyre and the New Day. So everything has just ended there. What I just want right now is McIntyre should... I don't know if he really wants to do this heel run, but I'm really looking forward to McIntyre becoming a monster heel, if that is where he's heading to. That's just what I want McIntyre to do at the moment. So, the issue with Gunther and his boys, like I told you earlier, I don't want to repeat myself again. I said Imperium is gradually crumbling, but we are not seeing it. Kaiser and Vinci are the ones who are going to end up costing Gunther his Intercontinental Championship if he is not very careful. Because as it is right now, those guys are already showing him a red flag, especially Kaiser. Kaiser is the hothead right now, as in, what issue do you have with um, Vinci that you cannot sort it out amicably? You are still like, what do you want him to do? He comes to the ringside. You have your match. If he interferes, you are saying that he's not supposed to interfere, that you can handle it and everything. Now you are coming there and then there's a little misunderstanding in the group and everything. Left for me, I already said it on this podcast that Gunther is this kind of person that with or without those his voice, Gunther can stand on his own. So if they want to dissolve Imperial, let them go ahead and dissolve the, the whole Imperium. Let um, Gunther be a one-man squad. After all, throughout Gunther's reign as Intercontinental Champion, Gunther never needed his boys to win. He never needed his boys to face Sheamus. He never needed them to face McIntyre. Even at WrestleMania, those his boys, they didn't come. When he faced Chad Gable, he faced Chad alone. All the opponents that Gunther has faced since he became Intercontinental Champion, if you are looking at it very well, Gunther has been the one doing all the work. No distraction from the referee, from his boys. So, if those his boys are tired of working with Gunther and they want to be stars by themselves, let them just go because I don't want a situation whereby it will be because of these guys, Gunther ends up losing his title. I want a clean match between him and Tommaso Ciampa down the line. 
without his voice interrupting or distracting him and making him and costing him the, the Intercontinental Championship. So basically, that's all I have to say for that segment. I mean, the main event felt more like a foreshadow for the foreshadowing um, before the the Survivor Series. Um, like it's already feeling like uh, November season already in terms of um, the Survivor Series team because the main event was between Judge Judgment Day. <laughs> wow, wow, I'm repeating words. Judgment Day uh, versus Owens and Zayn uh, for their rematch. The bell rings and the four men waste no time. Um, going after one another, Owens goes for Owens goes after Priest on the outside as Zane brawls with Balor in the ring. Back from the break, Priest with Zane into the corner. Zane lands a back elbow and an elbow drop off the middle rope. Balor tags himself in and sends Zane into the top top block, who face first. He follows it up with a chop, but Zane overpowers him and tags in Owens. Owens lands a, a running center and a chop block. Uh, sorry, a chop then fires up right hand and a chop. You then divide the second hand right hand to to Balor's midsection, but Balor fires back with a double stomp to his chest. Tags in priest. Uh tags in priest. Priest delivers a kick to Owens, head and fires off um kicks across his chest. Owens responds with a few chops and goes um goes uh, yeah. Right hands on the other hand. Owens delivers a DDT and tags in Zane. Zane delivers a close line and rains down right hands on Priest in the other corner before following it up with um before following it up with a drop kick and sending him standing and uh, sending and interfering Balor out of the ring. He goes to do the same to Priest, goes flying over the top rope to level them back from the break. Um Zane delivers another DDT. Uh, to Priest and tags in Owens. Balor tags in on his on his side and Owens fires off right hands on his head. He follows it up with a series of stomps and clothesline on the outside before handling, landing a cannon ball to Balor back inside the ring. He ascends to the top and delivers a frog splash. Owens delivers a step up into Gary, but Balor, no, not league, now legal, sits him. Sets him on the top. Tom Owens gets Balor on his shoulders. Executes a rolling center. Balor responds with a coup de gras and goes for the pin. But Zane breaks to fall. This match was really amazing. I mean, what do we expect from Zane and Owens with their judgment day? I mean, they are always cooking when they when they get in there. Priest dumps him out of the ring before becoming legal and looks for a out of heaven. Owens escapes and tags in Zane. Who delivers an exploder to Priest. He looks to follow it up with the Halova kick, but Dominic Mysterio holds hops on the apron. Priest looks on for Razor's edge, but Zane escapes and lands a blue thunder bomb. He goes for a pin, but Balor breaks the fall. Owen takes out Balor before Dominic takes a cheap shot at Zane. Priest follows it up with, a, with an elevated flatliner and goes for a pin, but Zane kicks out. Dominic begins arguing with the referee, but Jay also appears at ringside. To take him out. JD McDonald, the fake JD, by the way, the flat side airblind sides JD. I'm sorry, Jay. <laughs> and works with uh, this match. This segment was long as fuck. With Dominic to attack him. But Cody run down to even the odds as officials run down to break up the actions on the outside. Back in the ring, Owen lands a stone on Balor and a pair to go. And the pair go tumbling out of the ring. Zen delivers a over kick to Priest. But McDonald hits Zane with one of his stacked. Damn, uh, tag team belt. 
and Priest then pins him for the win. The Judgment Day return after the match, Rose and Jay reemerge and attack Judgment Day as Owens and Zayn join in a huge ringside brawl and shows. But Rhodes, Zayn, Owens, and Jay are left standing tall as the show ended with um, people trying to separate all of these men. I mean, it's already feeling like a Survivor Series season. What's your think on that is going on? Like, I mean, is the Survivor Series team already set? Uh, team Nightmare versus Team Judgment. <laughs> <laughs> What's your take on this show? Was amazing. I loved uh, how it was story in in build stories going in and everything. I mean, it was not like oh, a very great show. I mean, out of them, but at least the show was okay. Uh, I mean, that's the highest remark you can give to a Monday Night Raw of three hours. That's always crazy to watch, but it's mad. Uh, I like what I saw here tonight. What's your take on everything? So, everything I have to say here is that basically we've already like seen a preamble of Survivor Series War Games because right now it's not going to be um, the bloodline against the Judgment Day because everything now is going to be the American Nightmare forming this team. Because the initial plan was that Jay and Jimmy were going to form their team. But I don't know if it's going to still work, but everything that happened at the main event of Monday Night Raw has just shown us that we are basically going to see war games. It's going to be Team Roads versus Judgment Day come Survivor Series because that match itself Heels will always be heels because you can never expect a heel to have a clean victory. I don't know if you get so yeah. We just the match and everything. The match was actually okay, and if you look at it, there were there were opportunities whereby, or should I say, chances whereby we all thought KO and Sammy were going to be tag team champions again. But like I said. Heels will always be heels in the sense that they will always have a dirty finish at the end. And JD McDonald coming in now, I don't know what he has to prove again to Damien Priest and the rest of the group because, as it is right now, this guy is currently doing what Sami Zayn did to um, on his probation days before finally becoming a member of the Bloodline faction. So as it is right now, JD McDonald has already proven to the judgment day why he belongs and he he has helped them to retain in the sense that Sammy and Theo were on the verge. They were this close to be to re, uh, recovering the attack team championship. But McDonald will come in causing a distraction and then if death uh, the gold to the face and one, two, three. The match ends. So everything I have to say and with the way everything ended, I for one I would have been pissed off because the judgment day they are basically stepping on everybody's too. And I was so glad seeing Jay Uso and Cody Rhodes coming out to help Sammy and Stephen Owens and to end this all, I will just say that I'm really looking forward. To see Judgment Day versus Team Rhodes 
and I wonder who will be their fifth member because if they are going to play in Mami, it means that the Cody Rhodes will definitely have to look for someone, a lady who will be able to match Mami if they are going to do a first time um, survivor series war games pay-per-view that will involve four guys and a lady. But all be that as it may, let's just wait till November and see how everything is going to play out. That is just my take. And that was it for um September twenty is it twenty what? Uh please get me corrected there. September twenty fifth uh Monday Raw from Ontario um Toyota Arena outside California. Um I want to get your uh, so this is the last this the this is the last thing uh, we are going to this is the last thing we are going to do for today. So I just want us to be having this one to close to close the show. So you have to tell me what you want to talk about, uh, what you want to sorry, what you want to end the uh, the edition of the podcast with. What what else do you want to talk about? I mean, you can talk about anything, and then we can close on that note. So I did take it away. Okay, uh, what I would love to talk about is I'm really looking forward to where or should I say I'm really looking forward to great storylines coming up in the business, the wrestling business as WWE and TKO is concerned right now because we have so many talents at the back and I wouldn't want a situation whereby they are always shining the spotlight on Judgment Day alone. I really loved what they did with Tiganox. And imagine we still have in the heart world, we have um, Candice Lorraine. And I'm even yet to see Johnny Gagano making his return. And so many stars at the back for Monday Night Raw. I'm just like hoping that coming weeks we will get to see those guys being utilized. And I wouldn't want to see any of them getting released because those guys are actually good inside the ring. No offense to those who were released. Those guys too were also good. I was very shocked for the releases that happened last week. No offense to any of them. I'm not like saying those guys were no good, but all of them have are very good, especially Don Ziegler, Shelton Benjamin, Matt Video. I never expected those guys to leave the company just yet. But I wish all of them the very best. And I really want WWE to book these other superstars that we've not seen. Dexter Loomis, for example, now that our father of years, Bray Wyatt, is gone. Um bless his soul, wherever he is. Yeah. He I mean, really that was to take up that scary role as this deadly guy. Like, I don't know if you've watched um, all these horror movies whereby Tester Loomis just has that face for this um, face of fear. So I really want them to use Tester Loomis in that direction and I want a situation whereby he will be able to talk, talk more, and also perform more. 
instead of just keeping mute and then doing what he has been doing in his NXT days. So I'm really looking forward to the talents that will be used. And I can't wait to see what Monday Night Raw has for us in the coming weeks. And if truly Cody Rhodes is actually going to leave, he gets to finish his story because his wife was speaking that two weeks ago when The Rock made his face on SmackDown. Was saying she was like saying some kind of harsh words that her husband needs to finish his story before the girl can come and steal her husband's spotlight. So I'm looking forward to see if Cody Rose will make his way to Friday Night SmackDown so that we can get to see him teach Roman Reigns. Then we can now have our dream match, the rock versus Roman Reigns set up. And how we going to happen? We want to see the rock coming in to cost Roman Reigns this championship. After all, Roman Reigns has nothing to lose in the sense that he's this era's longest reigning champion of all time. So he has nothing to lose. And also, I'm also looking forward to seeing Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins as Survivor Series. We want to see who is the better man between those two guys. I want a clean fights. And another thing that has been bothering me, I guess, I'm sorry I'm taking much time, but... No, 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 I want to, this is your segment. This is a segment that for you. I just wanted to talk about everything that is on your mind. I know we used to do Bonnet Iron Review, yes. and over the past, uh, like the next couple of days, you have a lot to say, but sometimes you can't say it because obviously uh, we are responsible for, we are accountable for giving out our takes on just Bonnet Iron So, I was like, no, when we are done with the review, you need to get the opportunity to get everything off your chest. That's why I'm not even interrupting you. I'm just allowing you to go. So you have the floor. Just say anything. Just talk about what you want to talk about. And if you want my take, I can also give you my take. And then we can end the show on that note. Uh, yeah, that's just it. So go on, go on. So what I was like trying to say is that this issue of Jay coming back to align himself with the bloodline, I smell something fishy there because if you notice... The way Paul Heyman has been acting lately, like, I don't think Paul Heyman really wants Jay in the bloodline anymore because if you watch SmackDown, it was as if Jay, uh, Jimmy was actually like being like taking the role that Roman Reigns is supposed to take, making decisions without seeking the approval from the tribal chief, like, it made me now start, like, after watching the show last week and the week that The Rock came to SmackDown, I was like, right now, I definitely wish Roman Reigns would just come back because I don't get somebody cost his twin brother the championship. You come the following week on SmackDown, you tell the tribal chief, that you didn't do it for him, that you, you, you did it for yourself. Now, all of a sudden, if the following weeks, you come back into the, the bloodline and then you are now trying to make yourself relevant, trying to see how you can make allies with Solo and Paul Heyman. And if you've been following Paul Heyman, I've just been looking at Paul Heyman's face. <laughs> Every time he's always saying, who gave that order? 
who gave that order called, called Roman Reigns. It actually means that everything that is happening in this bloodline faction right now, Roman Reigns is not aware of it. And I, I obviously, uh, so yeah, for Paul has to know who gave the order because oh, man, no small work, 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 they come, they come fire yeah. Because as it is now, if Roman Reigns eventually comes back, the first person is going to attack. It's not going to be Solo. It's not going to be Jimmy. It's going to be Paul Heyman because. When Roman Reigns is not there, for him and serves as the council and also the wise man in the bloodline. So he's second in command. And when they were together before Jay split, after Paul Heyman, it's actually Jay also. But as it is right now, Jimmy has no right to do whatever he's doing now. And everything that he's doing is going against Roman Reigns, even though he's actually doing things that please that will please Roman Reigns. I don't just... Everything doesn't just sit well with me because Roman Reigns has not like, said anything ever since this thing has happened. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but I want my tribal chief to come back and address this whole issue because I don't just understand where, where this storyline is heading. Is Jimmy back on the bloodline or I don't just get where this whole storyline is going at the moment because... Roman Reigns is the only one that can tell us, the fans, officially, if Jimmy is the right-hand man of the bloodline. Because today you will see Jimmy making this decision. For him, I will, for him, I will be crying on, on, on live television, <laughs> asking that they should call, call Roman Reigns. And the one that was even cranking me up was the fact that when they were supposed to sign that contract, he was like asking, but who gave that order? Meaning that Jimmy has become the, the, the tribal chief now because as Organo Day, uh, Jimmy has now assumed the office of Organo, which means that he's actually vying for that position of Roman Reigns. And I don't know if you also if you also see what I'm saying in the sense that along the line, Jimmy is going to stab, stab Roman Reigns in the back and then cost. And I don't know whether they will have like a match to see who will become the next tribal chief in the bloodline. But basically, that's just what I have to get out from my chest because I don't just get where this storyline is going. Also, yeah, that's just it. I don't just get where this uh, storyline is going. So I'm looking forward to seeing Roman Reigns coming back to do the needful plays because this whole Jimmy doing everything without orders from Roman Reigns doesn't sit well. I'm, I'm really feeling for Paul Heyman. Though Paul Heyman is a bad guy, but I know everything is just tele- is a, is a TV show, but and Paul Heyman is a bad guy, is a heel and everything, but I'm really feeling for the heel. Like, I want the big dog to come back. I want Roman Reigns to come back and address this whole issue. So that's just what I have to get off of my chest. All right, ID. Thank you so much for taking time to do this. Even um, when you are under the radar, you still took your time to get this done. Thank you for another episode with me. And thank you for giving the audience... Uh, the fourth installment of this segment. I mean, I love doing this every Tuesday. 
And although we might get to put this out late, I still appreciate the fact that we got this done. Thank you so much. This was the the Tuesday morning text with um your host Samuel Lyon and my lovely co-host, the evolutionalist ID. This was the twenty fifth edition of Morning Night Raw Review. Um, the show is well packed with all our takes on this past SmackDown, and also with the uh, what we are having to look at with this um, the current story angle going on on uh, WWE TV. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your all the Chronicle Podcast faithfuls for their continuous um, support and you know consistency. Thank you. Um, see you next week Tuesday. Thank you, Mr. Samuel, for hosting me again. You have come to the end of this episode on The Chronicle Podcast. Please like, subscribe, and share, and watch out for our forthcoming episodes. Thank you for listening to The Chronicle Podcast. Thank you and God bless.